So we are on page 54. And we're continuing the, the philosophers making his case, you know, not, not necessarily a great case, but he's making a case for why the Khazarian king should try to follow philosophy to achieve the pinnacle of understanding. So your objective in trying to attach yourselves to the path of the righteous and not necessarily about the specific deeds, he continuously is, is repeating this idea, is not to receive a reward or not to avoid retribution because God doesn't care about what you do. The prime cause does not care, but only to become completely one with the active intellect. So at the bottom of page 54, once you have integrated this philosophy within yourself, you need not concern yourself with which specific dogma, set of rituals, and other actions and choice of words or language you will follow. If you like, you can even fabricate your own religion, which promotes humility, exalts the prime cause, helps you correct your traits, and does the same for your family members and your fellow countrymen, if you can get them to listen to you. Or you might adopt the intellectually stimulating rituals of the philosophers. Your ultimate objective should be purification of the soul, so you can perceive things more accurately. In other words, you can figure out your own path, right? This is so contemporary, right? You know, you can walk into any, um, I won't spell it out for you, but you can walk into any uh, certain places in the world today, and this is what they'll tell you. This is what Judaism is all about today, even, right? Uh, some people will say, right? It's about figuring out what works for you to help you reach a very good place and to be very good where you are. But you can figure it out on your own. In summation, seek purification of the heart with whatever method works for you as long as you understand the principles of wisdom clearly. This is how you can attain your goal, which is to attach yourself to that ethereal entity, the active intellect. In doing so, the active intellect may supply you with prophetic knowledge about the future by showing you authentic images in dreams and visions. The Kuzari said, your words seem logically sound and sufficient. However, they do not provide a solution for my quest. In other words, they're logically sound, and they do seem to make a lot of sense, but they're not going to solve my problem. You said that specific action was not important and that only knowledge and attitude of the heart matter. I know myself well enough to judge that my soul is pure and my actions are all well-intended before the creator. Despite this, I still received a message that my actions were not desired, even though my intentions were. I must conclude that there exists a set of activities which are intrinsically desirable, and not just because the thoughts attached to them are. I would have said if I were the Kuzari, right, I would have also responded to this philosopher. You keep on telling us that God doesn't care, but I keep on getting this dream that God does care about my actions and God cares about me, right? That, that to me should be the even bigger, bigger point that you should be saying immediately, right? Your whole point, your, your whole premise is based on the idea that God doesn't care, but it's not true. He might say that later, I don't know. If this were not the case, then how do we explain why Edom and Yishmael, Christianity and Islam, two nations which have divided the civilized war between them, are constantly worried over religious practice? Each nation is a pure soul and with divine intentions. Their peoples practice ascetism, fasting, and praying, yet they still go about killing each other. What's worse, they believe that this killing is a great act of righteousness and a means of becoming closer to the creator. Each side believes that its way is the path to the Garden of Eden. And do not tell me to follow both religions, because adhering to two opposite faiths is totally illogical. Tell that to the universalistic church, which is primarily Jews, unfortunately. Uh, let's look at the footnotes on the bottom. The footnote, he points out that Edom is the name assigned to Christendom throughout this work. Other versions of the Kuzari use Persia, 
and more likely refers to Byzantinium, which was a Christian empire. Okay, now, he now is going to say, if the two most powerful nations in the world, right, are the, and are trying to do the right thing, and they're constantly battling each other, the Christians and the Muslims. So uh, Daniel Karapkin wants to start to analyze this argument a little bit deeper in footnote 17. Here the Kuzari uses an argument that at first glance seems unsound. One can immediately reply that it is irrelevant that most of the world believes one way, as truth does not necessarily reside with the masses. However, Aristotle argued this very point, that truth does lie with the masses, right? You know, something that I think we're more used to today with the idea of crowdsourcing information. See the Mora Nebuch in the Guide to the Perplexed, where Rambam quotes this argument of the philosophers, which states that if almost all mankind acknowledges the eternity of the universe, it must be a truism. What would be the purpose on a cosmic level for the majority of mankind to believe in something false? In general, then, any idea that is well known and accepted among human beings must be true. Otherwise, it would not have gained such mass acceptance. This is before the days of Facebook, by the way, when, when things could, things could uh, change very quickly. Uh, things, uh, false ideas could spread. Using the same idea, the king argues that formal religion must be authentic and important if most of the civilized world has accepted it as something absolutely vital. Now, the king then responds to the possible retort of the philosopher by saying, don't tell me to follow both religions, right? It doesn't make any sense. They're contradictory. If indeed the majority is doing the right thing, you found the solution to your quest, simply adopt these world religions. That would, that would be the hypothetical response of the philosopher. To this, the king answers that his quest is not yet completed because two wholly opposite religions, which contain mutually exclusive elements, cannot both be correct. And he has no indication as to which of the two he should follow. Furthermore, to do the actions of both would be illogical, right? Now, this is something which um, today, you know, the, this idea of saying that there's got to be an absolute truth in those days was accepted by everyone, right? Whether you're a philosopher, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Jew, absolute truth reigned supreme, the concept, right? Today, okay, fine. They could both be possible. Everybody has their own truths. And I think that's probably why, why you have the concepts that we have today in terms of uh, organized religion today what it looks like. The philosopher replied, it may be true that the masses of the world believe in organized religion and are willing to kill for it, but the philosopher's religion does not sanction murder. This is because we do not believe that any action inspired by religion, such as holy war, can elevate the individual. Rather, our whole objective is to heighten the intellect, right? So I think uh, he says it on the bottom. He's not, this is not actually Daniel Karapkin. K KY, which is a different commentary, one of the earlier commentaries. In the introduction, he explains who's who. Let's see who KY is supposed to be. Call um, Yehuda. Call Yehuda was written by Rabbi Yehuda Mascado. It was first published in 1594, commentary on the Kazari. Okay. So, excuse me, in other words, you, King, argue that truth lies with the masses. However, this is true only when the wise ones of the time go along with the masses. But this is not the case here. For the wise ones of this generation are the philosophers who clearly do not agree with the masses. In other words, we don't want to make a situation where he's just saying that the entire idea that there can be truth with the masses is never true. That we don't want to say because we know that philosophers believe that. So what we have to say is something different. We have to say that when there's no other 
position of the experts, then we go with the masses. When the experts are, are completely contradicting the masses, then we will go with the experts versus the masses. Okay, let me see. We're going to continue this on Sunday, Bezrat Hashem. They're continuing to respond with what the Kuzari's response is back. Um, so in, in terms of the, the continuity, right, there's a little bit of, uh, for me at least, the continuity is a little bit difficult, right? You know, we're like in the middle of conversations when we stop. I would recommend um, maybe reviewing it at some point the next day, maybe like looking at, uh, you know, just quickly reading through it at some point, just so if you review it once the next day, that will really help it, help the ideas sink in a little bit better. Because otherwise, by the time we get to like the pronouncement of the of the argument, we're not going to remember where the starting point was anymore. So it, it is important to try to keep it, keep it in your mind the, the whole time. Um, well, thanks so much, everyone. Take care. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you. Good Shabbos.